Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. How do you tell if a ghost is what it claims to be? Can you talk to extraterrestrials over Ouija boards? What kind of monster has six legs? Hey there, and welcome to the 469th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those many and very questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening, uh, usually if we open up with random questions that seemingly have nothing to do with each other, that means we have an open line show tonight. And we also invite you to call in to talk about uh, any of the emails or that we're going to read, or you can present your own questions and comments. And the numbers uh, this evening are 401-766-1240 locally. Again, that's 401-766-1240 locally. And uh, 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. So we probably won't answer any of the questions above because we are inundated with emails uh, having to do with this new movie, The Conjuring, uh, mainly because Ben and I were in the featurette that went with the movie, so a lot of people had some pungent comments on that and some even more pungent questions. So we tried to pick our, uh, we dealt with that last night in our CBS edition, and we're going to try to deal with some of the more local questions on this uh, edition of the show, uh, because obviously that's probably of more interest to our local audience. So anyway, here's one from Carrie in Douglas, Massachusetts, right in our listening area. So Carrie writes to us, Hi guys, uh, it was really cool to see you guys in the uh, Conjuring video. Have you ever had cases like that? And uh, where in Harrisville did that happen? Well, uh, I... <laughs> I have to tell you that I never heard of this case until the producer came to us and wanted us to do yeah, this Yeah, I've never feature. heard of it either. And uh, I did work with Ed Lorraine Warren, who are featured in the film, but I uh, started about a year. This supposedly occurred in 1971. I didn't start working with them until uh, really about late 1972. And I, I can't remember them ever mentioning this. It uh, doesn't mean they didn't, but because it's 40 years ago, but I, I just didn't remember. I also uh, was surprised to find out that it was in Harrisville. Uh, the author of the book upon which the movie is based uh, supposedly lived in the house, and this is what happened to her family, she says. And she says, uh, I've heard a report that she said that it was rather accurate. And what I uh, hope to do is we hope to get her on the show and uh, ask her some questions about this. But I was not involved with it. I, I don't know really anything about it. I haven't seen the movie yet, but we were in the in the video and we were talking about the issue of uh, something that will come up in other I questions. I think eventually we'll get get around to seeing it. It's it's just it's come out at a weird time of the month. Yeah. So we haven't really gotten a chance to get around to seeing it, but I've I've heard mixed things about it so far. Yeah, well, and it's gotten some pretty good reviews. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's the usual Hollywood approach, I'm sure, and it's not uh, nothing exactly really different like the, the Discovery Channel, right? Yeah, no, probably. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But if people are entertained by it, and that's what the purpose yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's you know. en- it's entertainment. It's not it's not meant to be like serious. As I mentioned last night in CBS, I mean, just because it says it's based on a true story, I mean, it could be extremely loosely based. I mean, it could be in the same town, maybe. It's or someone shares the same name as somebody else that was actually there, or maybe there was a certain car that was there. <laughs> yeah. Anything as shallow as that could make it like, oh well, oh well, there were people there, or this actually happened at this place, but it didn't really happen. Or maybe it did, and we don't know. Or maybe it's more blown up in the movie. You know, well, that would be a shock, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. And Carrie also asks, have you ever had cases like that? And uh, I mean, Ben and I together. 
Well, first, we need to see the movie. Really to- haven't. Well, no, I mean, I, you know, I know the usual uh, M.O. on these things. Uh, probably the most dramatic cases I've had uh, have had to do with poltergeists uh, and also possession cases in my salad days when I was working with a priest at two uh, two different priests at two different psychiatric hospitals as a seminary student and as a graduate student in psychology. And uh, but you know you don't have weird figures appearing behind you and no. doing strange things you know but you do have people being thrown across rooms. Um, I had a physical altercation, ironically, on a case I was working on with the Warrens in 1974 in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And we've talked about it many times on the show. It's in my book, Faces at the Window, and you can read about it there. But um, I have had physical altercations with these things, and that's why I really had the. the uh, impression early on that there was a lot more to this than than the common i suppose folklore would have us believe i mean the people all the people in the video except us you could see sort of there there was a psychic from new york and there was some other uh paranormal investigator whom I've heard of but, I, but w- whom we don't know uh, who sort of seemed to stick with this is all about dead people thing and angry dead people and all this and you know, I never I never really bought well, that well people di- people dig the creepy stuff I mean they do and that's the creepy stuff yeah I mean know? it's like stuff because you know as you know I mean certain things happen with your body body chemistry where we like getting scared because it releases endorphins that's right and such people also like feeling stressed which is weird because apparently that releases dopamine, which makes you happy. Except it doesn't make you happy. It's weird. It doesn't make much sense. Uh, neurology is a very strange thing. Mm. But the, but the the thing that really gets me, Ben, is that our the things we come in contact with and, and the things that, that are experienced in, in the multiverse approach rather than the spiritualist approach are so much more bizarre and stimulating and weird and mind-expanding than anything you're going to find in this. Well, think of, think of it this way: the normal moviegoer. Well, it's more credible to think it's dead people than it well, is. Well, people can grasp that because yeah, they don't know what else. It's, it's to, how else to interpret? Yeah, I mean, if you've been told this stuff all your life, like, oh, it's dead people. I yeah. mean, it's easier to accept. Oh, well, there's a dead person haunting this house. But if you say, oh, well, this person's actually alive in a different in a parallel universe or whatever that just happens to be living going through their daily life. I try to explain that to people all the time, and they just can't seem to get it. Like, oh, so this spirit is just doing whatever it normally does. Like, no, 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 it's, it's not, not a spirit. Not a no, spirit. It's the actual <laughs> person. Uh, it's it's very. But when they do get it, yeah. A lot of times the lectures, you see, you see the, the the light comes into the eyes. They say, "Wow, I've never understood this until I thought of it this way." We have people. Our biggest case right now in Connecticut was we were contacted by someone who read. Footsteps in the attic, and said, "This is the only approach that really answers what's going on here." Yeah, and people, you know, even Lorraine Warren, who was a dear friend of mine for for a number of years, uh, like I say, they were like a second family to me in the seventies. She would say, you know, you run into things that, and and all these people will say they run into things that they can't explain them, they can't, you know, they've had some awful experiences. Well, yeah, you have awful experiences, but when you understand it. From the point of view of the way I, th- I think, the way we approach it, if I may say that, then it becomes clear, and you don't, you don't, it opens up whole new worlds about it, and you begin to understand what it really is. If you just assume that it's somebody who's dead, you're limiting yourself. Anyway, here's another one. This is uh, okay. Well, this is not local. It's from Fairmont, West Virginia, but it's Mark 
in Fairmont, West Virginia. And uh, Mark has a question. Well, it's not well, it's not super duper far away, but uh, he. Well, it's not our local listening area. No. Well, uh, Mark writes to us. Hey, Paul and Ben, I saw that Warner Brothers video with you guys talking about the Devil's Hour. What did you say about it that they edited out? <laughs> Quite a bit, Mark, I must tell you. Uh, they, yeah, we uh, talked for a good 45 minutes each. Well, we did, and we were both interviewed at length, and we taped, for, for, we filmed for that for a day and a half. And um, But naturally, obviously, they, you know, and they were great people to work with. It was oh, yeah, they were very, very nice, from very New York, uh, And they, they came up, they were two great guys. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was a matter of um, time, of course. It was only a three-and-a-half-minute featurette. And they had to get the other people in. So um, they, they, we, we uh, talked a lot. I don't know about what you said because they wouldn't let me sit down on your interview. Um, well, I basically said probably the exact same thing you said, which was um, I, I mentioned a lot of stuff about the multiverse. And I was like, well, I mean, you have boundaries, boundaries between worlds thinning. So, yeah, weird stuff's going to happen. And you're probably going to notice it, that kind of stuff. I mean, I was sort of I was sort of led into answering that it was like a more active paranormal time of day. Well, yeah, because that was the point of the that thing. That was the whole. So I didn't want to just completely ignore that. Be like, yeah, well, but I did. I offered this. I offered explanations like, well, I mean, it's probably the connotation of the time of day, like um, how people tend to notice more stuff at that time of day because you know, not a lot of people are up at three in the morning unless it's like you and me, or maybe most of our listeners are. Yeah. We don't know. Well, we're on coast to coast there. Or if, we're, or if we're on coast to coast. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I offered, like, reasonable explanations. I mean, or at least what I think are reasonable for why it seems like it's a more active time of day than others. Well, I have... Well, well this is the thing. Other people... Some people have written in and said they don't... Well, they, why is it any active, more active than any other time? I have run into that. I have run into cases where things are more active at that time of day and it is the name of the featurette is the devil's hour and it is available on youtube or the warner brothers site and a bunch of other things and i have found that 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 is the case and and as i say in in the video why is that the case well i went into uh, they also added this out no naturally there wasn't any time talking about the telluric current it's an electrical current that's well known to science has been since the middle of the 19th century and it runs over the surface of the earth and it runs over the, the water as well a little bit underneath and it follows the sun so in other words as, as, as the earth uh, turns the telluric current will, will wherever the sun is that's where it will go and to talk about this thing just before the dawn the sun usually comes up in the summer around 4, 4.30 yeah. so around 3 you know, the telluric current is tending toward the sun and so okay what's this got to do with anything well the electrical fields this thing can, this thing can influence and create has a lot to do with funny things having to do with space and time it as ben just said thins the can thin the world boundaries uh and the, these boundaries between these parallel worlds where all things are possible and that they're there and that that multiversal beings we all are really but things like parasites that we talk about or demons in folklore i mean they're not theologically what folklore says they are they're life forms that feed upon as we've found for many years feed upon the negative energy from people and when you got stuff going on that's negative and you have the right ducks lined up electromagnetic energy geotechnical factors you can get parasite act- activity and th- this can happen particularly at that time of day and i've really found that so th- that's among the things that we talked about that we didn't get to say in the the video because it was uh you know, edited, but that you know, and it had to be again because yeah, again, this is you know, for entertainment. A, well, I also brought up the fact that you know, I mean, belief 
faith and belief are very, very powerful tools. They left that in. Oh, they did? Ben won't watch the video because he hates to see himself on TV. So. Oh, yeah. So, good. Yeah, see, they left that in. There I don't we go. Mind so, since I lost weight, I don't mind so much seeing myself. Me? Uh, but it's, uh, you should watch it. It's, re- it's beautifully photographed, and it's well edited. Uh, but uh, anyway. I'll watch it. All right. So, in any case, uh, this is from, oh, here's someone local, Lori in Harrisville. Alrighty, so Lori writes to us, Hi, guys. I love your show. I look forward to every Monday. Uh, when I can listen to it on the way to on the way from work or on the way home from work, it was even cooler to go see The Conjuring this weekend and find out it, it happened in Harrisville, than to see you guys in the video. Paul, uh, was the movie accurate? Uh, the author says says um, the author says it is, and she lived in the house. You said you worked with the Warrens at the time. Were you involved with the case? Keep up the great work, guys. Well, we well, shall thank try. you, Lori. We kind of uh, answered that already, but. And I, I would not, I don't know where the house is. I, I, as I say, I, one would think that a case that dramatic would have been mentioned to me. And as I say, I just don't have any recollection. Well, that, and if we did mention it, we probably, if we did know where it was, we probably wouldn't mention where Absolutely it is. Absolutely not. Because then there'd be a hail of people descending upon the yeah, house. Yeah, we don't, we don't even mention the town. No. But I don't know where this is anyway, so it's academic. But well, I, I just said just, Harrisville, I guess. Yeah, so um, I just don't understand... What uh, I mean, it was funny. One of the charities we support is Builders Helping Heroes and Homes for Our Troops, which is building a home in Harrisville for a wounded, oh, yeah. wounded Marine veteran. And uh, I've been out there lately for that, but I had no idea where this farmhouse might be. And again, this is entertainment. It's not science, and you cannot expect complete accuracy. Um, I... I um, well, some things I could say about other cases I was involved with, but I, I won't. Well, where there's money to be made. Well, that's it. That's what it's about. That's yeah, it's, about. It's, all, so, it's all about money. Yeah. That's, that's pretty you know, do not approach to. this film as if it's uh, looking it's for accuracy. Yes. You know, it's, it's entertainment, and uh, you know, it's just, uh, although we had somebody write yesterday, we read, uh, read it last night, that, that said that uh, this is a, the movie was almost enough to get him to give up ghost hunting. I thought it said it did get him to give up ghost hunting. Oh, good. I hope he does, because it's a stupid thing to do. Huh, there we go. Done. Anyway, okay. So if that was the goal, it was fair. It was. Right, here's one. Uh, here's one from Cumberland. All right. Uh, California ones are mixed up in here. Uh, this is uh, actually no. This is a, I guess not relevant. Let's just get this one done. This is from Doctor Steve in just says California. Anybody with a doctor in front of their name doesn't dare say where, and it, with any specificity where they're from. So. Oh wait, I think he's written into us a few times. Uh, oh maybe. Yeah. Uh, hey Paul and Ben, longtime listener and admirer of your work, you have changed my perspective on the paranormal completely. That's why I was surprised to see you in the online documentary about this Conjuring film. Uh-oh. Even though you were the most intelligent of those uh, interviewed, please tell me you haven't, quote, sold out, unquote, <laughs> to, quote, feral ghost hunters, unquote. No, we have not sold out to the feral ghost hunters. Ben, you want to take it from there? Well, I mean, it was fun to make. I mean, they asked us if we wanted to do it. We, I mean, why not? I mean, you worked with the Warrens' dad, so, I mean, it's sort yeah. of... And they, I guess well, they, they didn't pay us, which kind of surprised me. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it was just, it was fun to do. I didn't know who else was going to be in it. I knew little to nothing about what this thing was. I didn't even know there was. Nor did I. I didn't even know that there was a movie coming out called The Conjuring until literally two days before we started filming. When I saw a commercial for it at approximately one in the morning, <laughs> and so I was like, "Oh, wow! So that's what this is." Because someone, I never, I didn't hear anybody talking about it, and then all of a sudden. My girlfriend's mom brings it up, and then I start seeing commercials all over the place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they, they really did their, you know, job publicizing the thing. Sir. Oh yeah, I mean, there, I, a lot of people are going to go see it, and it was 
So I, I didn't even I didn't even know what this was about. I was just like, oh, they wanted to come talk to us. So I was like, okay, sure, I'm okay with that. I mean, maybe we can get a little a little publicity. Not publicity. That's not the right word. Get our message out there a little bit, you know. And well, that that was the rationale too. Uh, was Maybe somebody will see this little featurette, which the producer wrote to us and said it had 44,000 hits in two days just on YouTube, and it was all over the place. So that was good. You know, somebody might see us, uh, look us up, come to our, get to our website, yeah, we get have more listeners. And, and you know, read some of the articles and say, hey, here's a whole different perspective on this. And yeah, that's not out there. This is not a. We're not preaching a gospel here. No, it's no. just you know. I think that people can. You know, we we're excited about this. I know people don't care what we're excited about, but no. No, not but, at we're, all. but we're we're very um, we're amazed at what the multiverse can offer, do. Well, yeah, I mean, we just wanted to offer a different perspective. We're offered really. as an alternative. I mean, because it, it's really, like it gets. I feel like it would just get boring hearing say, "Oh well, it's dead people yeah. and they're angry about things they didn't complete in life." And it's like, you know, what strikes me about that, Ben? I was just thinking about this before. What? Was you know, you, you have a lot of people who get older, and get being one who's getting older, I'm thinking more about this. You know, they get they lose their memory, right? They, they st- and I have a theory about why that happens, but there are problems in the brain, and and, and or maybe not. They just they just get the you know dementia might approach or, or confabulation things of this kind. They have memories of things that never happened, but but of course somewhere in the multiverse they did happen. Maybe their mind's just expanding uh, to take in the other lives they're living in parallel to this one. So the question is, if a ghost is a spirit, doesn't have a brain. How can I remember anything, whether it's mad or not, and all this business? But it's all things that I broke. That, that well, I, I mean, memory up. is non-local. Well, it is non-local, yeah. But I mean, how could they have a specific memory of being a specific person? You know, for, didn't know they died. That, that that's a big that's a big slogan. Oh, they didn't know they died, and all this business. Uh, when now you see people who are still with us, so to speak, who are losing memories and changing memories and things like this, and can't quite remember. Oh yeah, I'm that doesn't yeah, I don't, maybe I'm, that's just a I'm thought. 21 years old and I can I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. Basically because you're busy. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> no, I'm early onset dementia. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we are not selling out Dr. Steve. Please don't worry no, about that. No, no. Right. Far from it. Yes. Uh, this is from Helen in Cumberland, Rhode Island, right in our local listening area. Alrighty. So uh, Helen writes to us, Hi, Paul and Ben. I listen to your shows uh, when I can, and you don't seem to believe in ghosts the way others do. I saw the Conjuring movie, and I want to ask if uh, that stuff really happens. Uh, they seem to mix up earthbound spirits with what you call parasites. Can they be the same thing? Uh, should we fear the ghosts of people who were angry? Is well, this that, what we were just talking about? Well, it is, but it is a rather good question, because yeah, these are... Th- well, I, I was not having seen the movie, I don't know, but... Really dramatic, weird things can happen. As I say, I've seen people thrown across the room and this Bridgeport house as I mentioned many times on the air uh, there was a, the, the Warrens had gone off to do some kind of interview and I was in the house alone with not alone but with the family which was a, a middle aged couple and the young girl uh, a neighbor and a reporter who if I were in charge never would have been there but these uh, four entities came out of the kitchen uh, one came up to me and th- this is where I learned the hard way you don't get angry at these things because I knew it was after the, the child, and I got angry, and it just got stronger. And so, in a way, it kind of threw us out of the house because I pulled everybody out of the house because the, the energy was just too much. I mean, I I, it, I pushed against it. I felt physical resistance. I felt a physical body, although I couldn't see it very clearly. And it pushed back. And I've always said I even felt a skeletal structure. It got around me, threw the little girl across the room, and that's when I said, "This is enough." Out we went. 
and uh, these are the days before cell phones and all this, so I had to run next door to call a uh, call the Warrens and ask them to come back in. Anyway, it was it was a big big mess. But yeah, I have seen things like that. I've had things thrown at me. Uh, there are all sorts of physical things that occur. But I mean, as far as the because you know you remember in the movie they, they might set this up if they were to set up the Bridgeport case with the spooky music and the shots just as things were happening. I mean, you'd probably get the same effect you would in, well, I mean, in a film like The Conjuring. See, I picture like uh, the parasites. Being like the parasites from, uh, or the, the, the parasites, the ghosts from, uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Well, they're not very friendly. No, no, no. I mean, well, they weren't very friendly in the movie either, Casper's uh, annoying oh, in that brothers. Movie. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, well, yes. Where yeah. they just, they plan these things to happen and they, they just are just goofy about it and they're, it, it, I don't know. I just picture it like that and then well, they just laugh at us being scared. <laughs> Well, I suppose some of the lower ones might do that. I mean, they're very, very interesting creatures to study. Um, I've had opportunities to do that, and including the Harrisville, Pasco particularly, seem, this, these were all parts of Burlville, Rhode Island, for those of you who are not from the area. Uh, Rhode Island is, is 39 cities and towns, but it's really 230-odd villages, because people associate with their villages. But Harrisville is one village, Pasco is another village in the town of Burlville. Anyway, uh, that whole area seems to be somewhat active, particularly Pasco. I don't know. Uh, it's, it has to do with, with the geology of the place to some degree. But in any case, these um, uh, I had a case in Pasco one time. This is before you were you were only five years old. You weren't involved. But uh, there was a, an entity that uh, was uh, picking on this particular woman in the house, and you had a standard scenario where the woman was unemployed, was always in the house, brooding all the time, the thing was preying on that, and it convinced her that it was a lover from a former life. She was even writing poetry to it. And this had a happy ending. I told her, that's not what it is, it's a parasite, and uh, it was it was very, um, she, she ended up marrying uh, someone who was a Native American el- a shaman, an elder, which is which was not a bad idea in this case, because he knew how to deal with it. And uh, this is not the case you're thinking. No, 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 I, I know it's a different case. I know Burlville is full of I've, all these wonderful I've, parasites. I've grown up Hearing your talks like two hundred thousand. Oh, that's right. That's right. So that's I right. know exactly what you're talking okay, about. Okay, two hundred thousand. Oh, it was two hundred. Right. But in any there. case, uh, th- these these entities, when you're in their presence, and I'm thinking of this Bridgeport house particularly, they are they don't feel like like the presence of any other human. And and uh, how we feel presences, I think, is because our, the bioelectric fields around our bodies will contact theirs, and that's how you know somebody's watching you and all this business. But they felt very sterile. They felt lifeless and yet alive. So in a way, one thinks back to the undead. I was going to gonna the, say like zombies. Yeah, no, well, no, the vampires. I, to the I know. Really, I, was, I was making a joke. Well, the really ancient concepts, like from the ancient Middle East and ancient China, of life-sucking ghosts. Ah, yes. They knew that they were feeding upon people, and yet they seemed lifeless. Uh, in our from our pers- perspective and our our point of view, so how we get so stupid? <laughs> well, we educated ourselves out of our instincts. Yeah, makes sense. In our traditions, with these you know? so-called enlightenment. Yeah, so that didn't help. But anyway, it's uh, they are very very strange creatures. Uh, as I've said many times, uh, I've personally identified about nine different species of the things. I think that's pretty much accurate. From extremely intelligent ones and very calculating ones all the way down to very lower two-dimensional things that act like children, almost. So back to, children. Yeah, so, so back anyway. to the question, no. Okay, sorry, yeah. So, right. essentially, no. We haven't dealt with anything, like, Hollywood-sized, but 
it, the truth is far more creepy than yeah, yeah it's a, than just simply being scared by. What's well, we always say? Explaining things. the paranormal is not the problem; it's dealing well, with the explanations. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's way creepier when it happens in real life. But there's a there's a quote I learned in my media history course where uh, media is better than real life. So, <laughs> or it's or it's more real than the real thing, or whatever, something to that effect. I think it was from a song by uh, I remember, I can't quite recall right now. Hmm. But we do have, uh, we're almost coming up on a break here, Sue. Okay, well, let's uh, take our break, and we'll come back with another letter. This one from Bellingham. Alrighty. So listen to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, and we will right, be right back with our emails. Oh, sorry, I kind of had your mic <laughs> had your mic off on that. I just, just giving a station, I know, I know you don't have to do that at the bottom, we always do. Well... Well, you should. Well, yeah. So you're listening at uh, 12:40 a.m. W.O.O.N. right here. It won't suck it. Called out, one of Southern Gospel's favorite quartets will be in concert at Woodlawn Baptist Church in Pawtucket, Friday, July 26th at 6:30 p.m. Called out concerts include the old hymns and the new songs of today. Their testimony and song reaches the lost and encourages and lifts up God's children. Come hear the Caldo Quartet in concert Friday, July 26th at Woodlawn Baptist Church, 337 Lonsdale Avenue, Pawtucket. A free will offering will be received. For more information, call 724-6390. That's 724-6390. You can depend on us for public service. Owen Radio. Hi, this is Don Brunell inviting you to join me for ON Midday, weekdays from noon to 2, right here on ON 1240 Radio. We've got Gold Cuts guests in our daily super quiz. The Midday Show, right here on ON, local radio at its best. ON Radio, ON Worldwide. Oh, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal, and we're going to remind you about uh, two of the charities we have adopted. You can find all of them at BehindTheParanormal.com, our website, or NewEnglandGhosts.com, our main website. Uh, one is USA Cares. USA Cares provides financial and advocacy assistance to post-9-11 active duty U.S. military ve- uh, veterans, service personnel, and their families. And uh, they assist all branches of the service, all ranks and components, and treat all with privacy and dignity and appreciation for their service and sacrifice. So they, in other words, if, if someone uh, in this group is short of their mortgage payment for a month, out goes a check from USA Cares. Uh, and uh, there is also a donation page. And uh, we are trying to get a... Uh, chapter going here in Rhode Island, so please uh, let us know about that. Uh, BehindTheParanormal.com, Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com uh, or four, uh, 401-527-5345. USACares.org. Also, Canadian Veterans Advocacy. Uh, that's a mar- marvelous uh, group founded by Michael Blaze up there in Ontario, and he has um, what this group does is, is uh, advocate for the causes of veterans in Canada, and Canada, as you know, the Canadian forces have been with us uh, shoulder to shoulder in the war on terror from the beginning. So uh, Canadian, veteran, Canadian Veterans Advocacy dot org, check that out as well. Okay, and uh, we are going to uh, start a uh, another letter here, but I, wa- I did want to tell you first that that uh, Ben and I are, are beginning to uh, accept uh, bookings for our fall speaking programs. Now, of course, I suppose twice a week we speak on the radio. 
But uh, we'd like to know, uh, too, just what you'd like to hear in our future programs. We, we uh, speak a lot. Uh, I meant to, I meant to talk about that at the end of the show. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said after the break. No, 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 no. I, I said I wanted to talk about okay, it well, during the break. Okay, we'll talk about that at the end. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get more into that at the end, but we introduced the idea that we did. We were going to change up the program a little bit, but hey, why not ask people in the local area what they want to hear from us? Exactly. Okay, so here's one from uh, Bill in Bellingham, Massachusetts, right in our local listening area, and Bill wants to know about the ghost syndrome. Uh, hey, guys, it is. it was good to see you in the featurette that goes with The Conjuring. You came across as the most intelligent people interviewed, but I have a feeling they cut a lot out. One term that Lorraine Warren used caught my ear, the ghost syndrome. I knew that the Warrens stuck to the old interpretation of ghosts and that you do not. But what is this ghost syndrome? It sounds interesting. What is it, and do you believe in it? Well, I um, don't know if I remember. I remember Lorraine using that term once or twice. I can't remember if it was back when I was uh, w- knew knew them well in the seventies. But it's um, I t- it is uh, from what I gather a the the phenomenon of of how someone becomes a ghost. Okay, uh, Lorraine always would say that somebody didn't quote pass over correctly unquote. And that uh, they were made earthbound, and this was a big thing. With it is a big thing with most paranormal types, the hobbyists especially, the, the earthbound spirit thing. And we're among the few who don't really believe in that, as stated. Sure, you run into people who are, you know, you, you went to their funeral the week before, and then you see them walking down the street. Well, that's because, in our opinion, of a parallel world where they never died. These worlds blend all the time. Uh, they overlap, and you can. That's why you can see people sometimes in transparent form. Even and we have a lot of cases where that's happened, of people who are still alive, of people who never died in other worlds or have here. Sometimes loved ones, because there's always a connection with them, and that's why you see these things. They're not the spirits or the remnants of dead people, uh, in our opinion. Uh, could there be? Such a world where there are spirits of rem- and remnants of dead? Sure, but simply because you can conceive it. And quantum physics says that everything that can be conceived does exist in concrete reality, at least in the interpretation of quantum physics that we happen to ascribe to. So sure, but that's not this world, I don't think. I don't think the laws of physics in this world would permit that kind of thing. So what you're seeing, if and when you see a ghost, even if it's just a light or some kind of figure with arms, which I've all of which I've seen, uh, they, it is someone who's really, or something that is really alive in a parallel reality. Hence, these parasites who seem to be able to travel between worlds, like this. It's a, it's a funny concept, but this is what uh, the interpretation of quantum physics that we ascribe to happens to uh, to say. And we believe we've seen it not in the classroom, but in the trenches uh, in the paranormal uh, paranormal realm. So the ghost syndrome, in Lorraine's definition, would be somebody who is remains earthbound for the classical reasons, the unfinished business, they're mad at something, or they uh, some other reason. They, 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 and, and one of the big reasons that, that Lorraine always gave, and obviously still does, is they don't know they're dead. They won't accept the idea that, that, that they've died. Well, you know, I just don't think that's good enough. I've never seen... That kind of thing. There, there are you can often get the impression from dealing with some of these entities that that that's what's going on. If that's the only thing you think could be happening, uh, I just don't. I, I just have never seen that. I usually find that these are 
just people, if you do communicate with them, not something I recommend, because I, and I never try it deliberately. They're just people going about their daily lives. They're having problems. And sometimes they're not people at all. And sometimes you can't communicate with them because they don't speak the same language as you do. So these are all things that kind of expand the whole notion. But the ghost syndrome is, as I stated, in the classical interpretation of this stuff, uh, somebody who has not who has remained earthbound, or their soul or their spirit has remained earthbound. And uh, I just don't think that makes any sense myself. So here's another one. This is, um, oh, this is one we read last night. Uh, ben, by the way, has had to step out to do some radio-type stuff here, uh, technical stuff, so I'm, I'm taking it from here. So the shapeshifters. Uh, we read this on CBS last night, but I thought it was an extremely good question that our audience at ON here might like to hear this. So it goes, it's from, uh, there's no name, no place. It just says, hi, Paul and Ben. I was wondering if you know anything about shapeshifters. Do they exist? Have you seen any? And how does it work? Could Bigfoot be a shapeshifter? Many Native Americans think so. Uh, well, I'll presume to speak for my son here. He uh, knows something about this stuff is, and was on the reservation in Arizona with the Navajo. And I guess there was some talk of skinwalkers uh, in that tradition uh, who are essentially, um, I guess, uh, uh, werewolves, I suppose. Uh, but again, the people who can shift into other shapes is what shape shifter is. Sounds like a pickled peppers kind of thing. But the uh, the shape shifter is one who can be a human in human form and then be in another form, this sort of thing. And it, it runs throughout the tradition of many many cultures uh, in the in the East and the West, uh, Asia and Europe. I mean, and you can find this there. So uh, has it ever occurred? Have I ever run into it? Well, the whole cryptozoology thing at times can uh, end up in this sort of of an idea. Uh, The Bigfoot thing, the alien thing, sometimes can be interpreted as a shapeshifter because you'll see them in one form in one minute and then another form the next. One thing that came up was that one of the people we know who was big into the UFO field and research on aliens and has actually worked for the government, was saying that there was, um, when some supposedly alien bodies were recovered from several UFO crashes, including the, the famous Roswell one, I mean, if this is accurate, that the tissue that was recovered from the bodies could be anything you wanted it to be. In other words, if, you, if, if a particular scientist looked at it and said, well, th- this is vegetable, it would become vegetable. If they looked at it, then it would become, uh, and, and it would seem to be animal or nothing they'd ever seen before, that's what it would become. And so one wonders that, that the, the body or the creature from which or from whom this tissue came might be able to metamorphose in some uh, way, of the, uh, in some manner of that uh, of that kind. So I, I don't know. So I think the concept of the shapeshifter, particularly in the multiversal context, where you have, even yourself, different forms and different worlds, and different laws of physics in different worlds, that certainly might be able to, to occur if worlds were overlapping. So yeah, I think that's possible. And every tradition, every bit of folklore has some grain of truth behind it or else it wouldn't, it wouldn't have gotten started. Somebody had some experience or some story and that's that, that was what it was. So, anyway, that's, um, that's uh, my that's just about that. that. Well, what do you think about that? Shapeshifters? What, shapeshifters? Yeah. Well, I mean, I pretty much agree with you that, I mean, if it's, if it's possible, if, you, if, it's, if it's able to be imagined, then it's possible. Yeah. 
Oh, we use the example of the, the we've done the two on the Halloween shows, the Great Pumpkin. Oh yes. You know, Charles Schultz and the Penis Cartoons, everybody loves that. And Linus is always talking about the great pumpkin who flies through the air on Halloween and gives toys to all the little children and all this business. Oh yes. Well somewhere or somewhere in the multiverse there must be some being of sort of equal value because Schultz would never have been able to imagine it if it didn't exist somewhere or somewhere. That's the multiverse theory we happen to ascribe to. Whether it actually is a pumpkin is another question. And there's the matter of interpretation, too. Our eyes interpret, our minds interpret. And uh, But, but the long story short, it's uh, I have no problem with the whole idea of shape-shifting in certain contexts. Now, here's one. This has to do... Uh, you might find refreshing with, with a show we did uh, some uh, several months ago with Lloyd Orbach, a uh, well-known parapsychologist and respected fellow who has the same complaint we do about films and uh, other shows things. about these uh, ghost business, all this ghost hunting and all this stuff that they just don't want to talk to intelligent people. Right. Because we've been told several times by producers that we've even done a pilot that we were too intelligent. Anyway, this is from Mark in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. So Mike writes to us, Hi, Paul. I enjoyed uh, your interview with Lloyd Orbach, but I think you were too easy on him. Parapsychologists wonder why mainstream scientists do not take them seriously. Maybe it's because they do not take science seriously the way you do. I mean, as in quantum physics, uh, they give it lip service, but uh, stick it to the old tune about spirits and dead people. I think the reason for that is another point I have heard you and Ben make that people with the Western mind can't uh, just can't seem to see the big picture because they only know how to take things apart instead of uh, bringing them together. Well, I respect Orbach and his work. He is a typical example of that over-specialization. Well, I think that, that that's uh, probably a good interpretation. We also respect Lloyd. Uh, we did, I did not know him for many years, and then he... At, at the behest of uh, one or two listeners, he was asked to be on the show, and we, we really hit it off. I, re- I really think he's a very intelligent and articulate fellow, and I'm, I'm sure Ben agrees. Well, we get accused of taking it easy on a lot of people. Well, you've accused me of taking it easy on people I like. Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, and you're probably right. I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's... I, I, I was once on a show, and I won't give you the name of it, but... You know, this guy, nothing I said cut any ice, uh, and he was really rude. And I, I, I don't, I won't put up, I hate rudeness. Yeah. I don't sound like that ladybug in James and the Giant Peach, but I cannot abide rudeness. You know, you treat people with respect. That's what's lacking in this society. You have, you have respect. That's true. You can build on anything. You have no respect, you can't do anything. That's very true, yes. Well, I do respect our guests, but it's like if they say something that makes me go, eh, then it's it's a different story. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying you you sort of go along, you you, you criticize, you, you do, you can criticize and you, you can Do it without being rude. With respect. Yes. You know, and that, that's, and we used to do that in this country, but I don't know. So in any case, uh, yeah, Lloyd is a respected parapsychologist. He does not have a doctorate, but he has a master's degree, and he does teach at uh, John F. Kennedy University, I believe, and he has uh, a lot of online stuff. And he's also uh, he's kind of a very uh, diversified fellow. He's a uh, uh, magician, too, and he does this stuff, and he's you know, uh, illu- illusionist kind of thing. Uh, uh, but yes. he, um, he does tend to some degree, uh, he respects the multiverse idea, but he also accepts uh, many other things that some of the more popular people would accept. And again, we're among the few who don't accept the idea of ghosts being dead spirits people. of dead people. right? Uh, and I think the idea about over-specialization may be a good one, uh, Mark, as, as you write. The, one of the things we 
complain about is that the Western mind, when I say Western mind, I mean the, the, the way of thinking all of us have been educated and indoctrinated in, which comes from Europe and the really the 18th century Enlightenment period, when people supposedly got rid of all the superstition and, and adopted science. The problem is that whole interpretation is based on the assumption that the universe is made of matter and that everything that happens is the relationship between matter. And, of course, there's energy, too, but that, you know, it sort of is, is a servant of matter. And that really is not the world that the Eastern mind really comes from, the Eastern mind being Asia, India, places like that. And what the, what the Eastern mind tends to do is bring things together to understand them. What they decided in the Enlightenment was that they had to take things apart, study all the parts, and then they could understand the whole. That's really a kind of a dumb proposition. Yeah. And, and today... Well, if you treat everything like it's a watch, then, I mean, it's... Well, that, that's exactly how they treated it. They, they thought that the universe was, mecha- was, was a big watch, a big a mechanistic uh, function, a big machine... Oh, yeah. ...that God had set into motion, and that if you could pre- predict... If you could understand all the parts, like, for example, how the planets moved and why... Oh, like Ptolemy... More like Ptolemy, you could. Yeah, this is a lot of this came from ancient Greece, not necessarily Europe. Yeah. Well, that's Europe, but I mean, you know, ancient world too. And that you could really predict everything that was going to happen, and man could be on top of the world, literally, mm-hmm. you know, and control everything. That was the whole idea. Hence, the arrogance of 19th century science, which carries over really into 20th and 21st century science too. Well, it doesn't help that like popular culture in the early 1900, in the 19th century, and into like the 20th. It was like science was like a novelty thing where it was very popular to be like, oh, hey, like, uh, for example, what's his name in France in like the late 1800s that came up with the N rays or whatever, and everyone took it as gospel, but nobody could see it but French people. <laughs> that's, that's just how it was. Yeah. <laughs> like, trying to demonstrate, like, there was uh, some German scientist trying to demonstrate to the Kaiser that, uh, and rays like did exist, and but only French people could see it. It, it like it, it's things like that. That it was it was just so strange that it became like the new um, what's the word? Uh, fad's not a right word for it because because it was like well, it's yeah. like you know you, you have uh, today's scientific law becomes tomorrow's superstition sometimes. Yeah, not yeah. always. And I, we, I say that with the greatest respect for honest science. And sometimes the problem isn't science; it's scientists. Mm-hmm. There's, there's politics. Uh, it's all about bucks. Sometimes you know who gets the most grants and or legacy, or legacy. Sure, and uh, I mean certainly the, the the achievements of medical science, uh, particularly in fifties and sixties, were, were just you know awesome. But there is a bigger picture, and when you take things apart, you can't see the bigger picture. Right, and the Eastern mind can't. So I can see getting back the roundabout route to Mark's point about overspecialization. Uh, again, well, I, I just uh, th- they give it lip service, uh, but well, you can uh, see it in all pr- professions, not you just can. this. Yeah, n- not just that. So, so again, and maybe Lloyd is right. Maybe uh, maybe that perspective is correct, but I just yeah. don't think so. I've ne- I have not seen that. And other I, in the so. last forty years in this in this field, and Ben hasn't either. So anyway, so thank you for your comment, Mark. Uh, very very well taken. We will have Lloyd back again. Uh, there are so many subjects to discuss with him, uh, and uh, we do recommend that you check out his books and uh, go see him if you possibly can when he speaks. And all that Although fun stuff. He is in California. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is from Elizabeth from Long Beach, California. 
Alrighty, so Elizabeth writes to us. Hi, Paul and Ben. I love the show and wonder if you can talk about uh, something I have heard you say several times. Uh, that when something paranormal happens, we are actually participating in what it is. I hope I put that correctly. Uh, could you say more about that? For example, if I see a ghost, am I empowering it? Uh, does something inside me make it look like it does? Uh, when you had those uh, poltergeist cases and were hit by flying objects, did you empower that somehow? Uh, why was it uh, you and not somebody else? Uh, if we are victims of demons or parasites, can we uh, stop it ourselves by disengaging? Uh, sorry to ask so many questions. No, no, not at, not at all, Elizabeth. Very, very articulate and intelligent questions. Very good questions. I uh, hope we have time to deal with them all. If we don't, we'll yeah, we do. Okay. All right. Uh, let's start. Well, maybe one half of it. Uh, it. It depends on how, <laughs> how uh, long each answer is. All right. Five words each. Okay. Yeah, right. For, with me. Participating in what these things are. That's a very good question. What I mean by that is that we bring something to every experience we have. We're not just pass- we're not just passive lumps sitting there, and we uh, we're not just observing and uh, totally passive in it. So what we um, what we try and do is is to realize that you you're, you bring your own preconceptions to this. For example, we've had several letters this evening criticizing the uh, old-time point of view on the supernatural or the paranormal, that uh, these are just, just about ghost people. Ghost, uh, ghosts are just about dead people and this kind of thing. So um, that's, if you bring that perspective to a paranormal experience, that very often will be what you will experience. If you have a broader view like we try to have or, or believe that we have, then you see all sorts of other things that can occur. You, you have other perspectives on it, and you can see what we believe is a bigger picture. So in that sense, you bring that to it. You also bring energies of your own. If you are in a seriously angry or uh, fearful state of mind, a depressed state of mind, you can bring food energy to what we call parasites, if there are other factors that allow them to manifest. This can go on without you even knowing it, or it can become very dramatic, such as the cases we discussed earlier where people were thrown across rooms and all this business that I've seen with my own eyes. So uh, there's that aspect of it. If you bring a good point of view, a humor, love, faith, you know, good positive energy to a seat, you can, you can affect it also. So... You, what you bring really depends on you and your own state of mind and what's in your heart. and what this, So how the thing manifests and even what you may experience can be profoundly influenced by that. For example, if, if you are in that state of mind and are not providing any food, you're, you're less likely to see or experience a parasitical entity, one that's negative. If you have uh, good things all about you, good, good uh, goodness in your heart, good energies, purity of, of intention, and you go into a situation, you may have more more positive experience. It could be just as paranormal as anything else. For example, uh, when I was working in psychiatric hospitals as a grad student and as a seminary student, and I, I was at present at the the, uh, the deaths, or as we call them, the translations of people who were of good spirit, of good of good heart and good mind and good nature. They they were very good deaths, so to speak. There were some beautiful experiences. Uh, things have sometimes happened outside the room in the presence of hospital staff, things of this kind. So this is what I mean when you bring something to the experience. You participate in it in that way. 
uh, and uh, again with your preconceptions as well. So, um, and uh, let's see, Elizabeth goes on. I hope I put that correctly. Uh, she certainly did. Uh, could you say more about that, which I just did? Uh, for example, if, if I see a ghost, am I empowering it? Now, that's a different kind of thing. You're, you can be empowering a parasite by the food, as I say, that you are producing through, the, through your own energy. As an example, too, uh, when I was in that house, I mentioned before, I learned the hard way that you do not get angry in the presence of these parasites because you empower them. So, yes, in that sense, you can empower them, especially if it's a parasite. So, uh, how are we doing on time? Ben? Oh, uh, we have about uh, six okay, minutes. Okay, we're doing, right, seven, doing well. Seven okay. minutes? Yeah, about seven minutes. Uh, does something inside me make it look like it does? Well, not everybody sees these things in the same way. Uh, one thing about, again, since we're talking about that Bridgeport case, some real high-powered parapsychologists came in from Duke University at the time, uh, people who are, are still active in the field at John F. Kennedy University in California, I think particularly Keith Harari and uh, uh, a few other people whom I have cor- who I corresponded with a number of years ago about this case, said that they really couldn't make high, head nor tail about what was going on because people had different, uh, sort of different experiences. Uh, some, in some cases, different memories of what happened, which I found very interesting. Uh, particularly because this was a tiny house. This was a very small house. As a matter, as a matter of fact, people who see it to this day, it's on Lindley Street in Bridgeport, were astri- extremely astounded that this, all this business could go on in this little house. Well, a lot of the things happen in the presence of multiple witnesses. Uh, other things happen in other rooms with maybe two witnesses or three, and so they didn't have the same memories of the people who experienced the other things. That was one explanation. But um, I'm still thinking about this question 40 years later, that uh, you know, you've got these, this business going on and different people seeing different things. And uh, I think you perhaps can see things in different ways. So that, that may be a possibility. Um, so, and things hit by me, why was it me hit, hit by me being hit by things in these cases? Why was it me and not somebody else? Well, I think... I got the impression, despite the sterility of these things and the weird life forms that they are, that it was not entirely intentional. I was kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I don't think often that these things actually do throw things. Or I think it's the energies that come along with what they bring to the experience. They come in from parallel worlds. The process of crossing these world boundaries seems to involve energies that do funny things with our space-time. So when I stood in the kitchen in that case with several police officers and firefighters and watched the refrigerator lift off the floor all by itself, seemingly, turn around, put itself back down, I um, was probably looking at something that was caused by the process that was going on in the house, not directly by the entities. Because we always get that, oh, the ghost stole my car keys, or the ghost threw the chair, or the ghost did this. Well, probably not, maybe, but the more, I don't know, I go along... Sometimes it's easier to blame things. It's easier to, yeah, that's it. And it's, um, what's the the analogy I always use? You know, running down the hallway to answer the door, and there are a bunch of papers on a desk, and you knock the papers off the desk because of the wind you create. It's simply by the passage. So I think it's very often the process, not the parasite, necessarily. Yeah. Good, okay. good, good, uh, good. So, that, you know, uh, why it was me, it was, I don't think it was any particular reason why it was me. I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Although, that one case in New Hampshire, Wilton, New Hampshire, where I walked into this commercial establishment and something threw a chair and hit me. It uh, didn't hit me, but almost hit me. It was, it was by a door. And, um, 
I don't know. That, that almost seemed intentional. But yeah, again, I, I, you, just, you just really don't know. Uh, why is the uh, if we are victims of demons or parasites, can we stop it ourselves by disengaging? Okay, and that's your final question, Elizabeth. Yeah, you bring in positive energy to cut off the food supply, and that's how you disengage. Right. So there you are. Oh, huh, there we go. Okay, good. So Ben, you wanted to mention uh, our programs coming up this fall and what uh, people should, right. should do. Well, we are we are planning on doing some more uh, speaking engagements within the near future, but we feel as if uh, well. Yeah, we both feel mutually that we need to update our program. So I figured, hey, why not uh, ask our our local listeners what they want to hear from us? Uh, Either if it's more cases or stuff, things that we don't normally talk about, or um, experiences that we've had in the paranormal or whatever, and then go on go on about that for a few hours. Um, but we it's not that long. No, no. But uh, sometimes it does if we get the audience. Speaking a lot of libraries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that. So. If uh, you want, if you want to toss us a line, you can send uh, the emails to uh, Paul at behindtheparanormal.com, and uh, you can ask, you can say, hey, do you want to try? Do you guys want to talk about this or this or that and that or whatever? And we'll definitely incorporate it into the program somehow. So I figure before we start uh, planning where we're going to start speaking, might as well update what we have first, see if we like it. And then go out, go and uh, schedule some uh, events. Well, one of the one place you will be able to hear us will be in October, the first New England UFO conference in Leicester, Massachusetts, downtown, October twenty sixth, Saturday. Uh, keynote speaker will be grandfather of ufology Stanton T. Friedman, who will be on the show, I believe, next week, or the week after. I don't know, but he'll be with us real soon. And uh, the shows just blend together after a while. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and there'll also be UFO researchers Kathleen Martin, Peter Robbins, and others you've heard on the show. And uh, it'll be a great. We're going to have um, uh, live interviews uh, with the speakers at the movie venue, and uh, you'll be able to meet us there too. So it'll be a great thing. We'll tell you more about that as the time comes. So in the meantime, yeah. Many thanks to our producer Ben himself this evening. Next week, July 29th, we will welcome back Stan Friedman. <laughs> just for discussions of UFOs, magic men, and mischief. So send your questions or comments now to paul at behindtheparanormal.com or use the handy question form at behindtheparanormal.com. And on our CBS edition of the show on Sunday, July 28th in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, slash Windsor, and Seattle, and Vancouver, and on radio.com, we will have uh, we will welcome former Indian Army Captain Jesse Kalsi for a discussion of astronumerology. Something we've never talked about before. Nope. Ben and I are in, uh, of course, this documentary we've been talking about. You want to see it, just go to, you can get YouTube or Warner Brothers or any of those places. The Devil's Hour is the name of it. We leave you this evening with a thought from that old darling Albert Einstein. Only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.